Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Welcome to our fifth and final episode in this year's Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series. Our discussion today is to help you be race day ready. We'll be talking about tapering training, optimizing nutrition, and sharing lots of practical tips we hope will help you. Welcome to our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, dedicated to supporting everyone training in the 2022 Great North Run with food and nutrition tips. This is for you if you've got a place in this year's Great North Run and it's your first half marathon, or perhaps you're experienced in half marathons but haven't focused on nutrition before now. So whether this is your first half marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being Great North Run ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We want you to be fit and fueled for race day. We'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. We'll be covering run training milestones, nutrition milestones, rest and recovery rituals, injury healing and recovery tips, mindset mojo, and some great North Run fun and factoids. Each episode we will build on the previous episode, so by the time the event day arrives, you're going to feel race ready. And although we're tracking this iconic event, we're sure you'll find the information interesting and helpful for any half marathon preparations. We'd love you to share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. We do hope you find our advice helpful. Let us know how you're progressing on your training. We'd love to hear from you. And you can reach us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And we'd ask you to listen to the end of the episode as we've got a special offer for you. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Karen, and I'm here with Aileen for the fifth and final episode in our Great North Run Milestone series. It's three weeks now until race week, so we really hope that uh, your training is going well and that you're getting organised and excited for the big day. And just as a reminder, as we always say, our expertise is in the realm of nutrition. So when we are talking today about other aspects of run training. We are speaking from our experience as runners. We're not running coaches or sports therapy practitioners, but we can recommend other experts if you need more specific advice. And also a reminder that if you'd like additional support, do check out our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and use our special discount code RACE, R-A-C-E, and you will get the program for £97. 
pounds and all the details will be at the end of the episode too. So Aileen, what have we got planned to discuss today? Over to you. Oh, hi, Karen. Hi, everyone. Well, you know, with these um, Great North Run episodes, we follow the same format every time. And um, so last the last episode was episode 107. So not too long ago. And at that episode, we were focusing on fine tuning nutrition and lifestyle in the month leading up to the race. So we hope you're all doing well with that. Uh, today, uh, we're going to start as ever with running milestones. So we're going to look ahead to the week before the race and our focus is going to be on tapering training. We're then going to uh, look at nutrition milestones. And in this episode, we're, we're going to be looking at what your food plan should be in the week leading up to the race and also on race day. And then rest and recovery rituals is going to focus on embracing tapering down because it's never something people want to do, but it's important that we embrace it and also um, take on board some restorative rest. With regards to injury healing and recovery tips, uh, a focus this time is on keeping safe, so no last minute injuries. And we're also going to talk about some mindset mojo, which is all about getting into your zone, psychologically speaking, and uh, a reminder of some practical concerns, uh, particularly what to put in, in the bag that you take to the race. And as always, we'll end with some Great North Run fun and factoids to round up the episode. Excellent. So lots to discuss, Aileen. So let's start with run training milestones. Can you maybe recap on our last discussion and what runners should be focusing on at this point in their training? Yeah, well, just to, to recap on what we talked about last time was we, we talked about our, our weekly long training runs should be in the region of about 18k. And we also talked about um, practicing um, scheduling one of your long runs at the same time as race day. Um, so, you know, if you're a six o'clock in the morning runner, but you're not going to cross the Great North Run start line until 11 o'clock, it might be better to schedule a later run just so that your body is used to it. And equally, if you're an evening runner, you know, you've got to get used to running at a different time of day. Uh, and we also suggested running in different weather conditions too, so that whatever happens on race day, it won't be the first time that you've experienced it. And I remember, um, you know, worrying about was it going to rain and how was it going to cope, that kind of thing. Um, so the, the final phase of, of training um, should involve a tapering period when your training is lighter. And the reason for that is to help preserve energy and prevent injury. So after weeks of hard training, which I know everybody's put in, uh, you really need to allow a planned phase of time to gain the benefits of all the hard work that you've been doing over the last few weeks and months. Uh, and at the same time, that 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 tapering period is to keep your legs fresh and ready for race day. So it's ideally finding a balance between allowing adequate re recovery and also maintaining fitness. That's the key during the tapering phase. So, so Karen, I'm going to hand it back to you now and just um, ask you to share what you think the typical tapering approach is are for half, mar half marathon runners. 
Yes, well, most training plans and running coaches suggest the half marathon taper should be around two weeks. And the tapering plan should be based on really the individuals. So, for example, the training they've completed, their fitness and any previous or pre-existing injuries that they might have as well. However, there are some general guidelines to consider and, and they are when it's two weeks before race day, really count back from race day so um, 14 days and that will give you the date to start your tapering so if you're in the 2022 Great North Run 14 days back is the 28th of August so what you need to do is schedule your final longest training run 14 days prior to race day and typically advice is to reduce the amount of training by around 30 to 40 percent in the two weeks before the race day and then training can be at the same intensity but just shorter and um, they suggest that you don't decrease the number of runs that you do just make each run shorter so uh, so that's two weeks before race day Aileen. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting because I think a lot of people think of tapering as just being the week before. So it's good to know that we have to think about it two weeks before. So thinking about that week before the race, what should runners be doing then, Karen? Well, this week, really, the main goal is to keep your legs loose, like you were saying, Aileen, loose and fresh, whilst um, keeping energy energy levels high and your mind calm. So really thinking about focusing on light work, maybe with some short intervals to keep your legs moving and also in shape. And training can be at the same intensity again, the same as the two weeks before, but shorter. And again, generally, advice is to reduce the amount of total mileage by 40 to 50 percent of your biggest training week in that last uh, week before race day. Now, if you normally do speed work, you might add in a couple of efforts, say about five days before the race. But if you don't normally do speed work, now isn't the time to start. So don't do any. Um Try and maybe sort of steer away from um, strength training at this time. You might want to um, add some low impact sports, maybe but cycling or swimming. But only again, if this is something that um, you've done in the past and you're experienced at doing, you just don't want to be doing anything new at this point in time. So nothing that you haven't been trialing or doing during your training. Yeah, that's a really a good message isn't it so you know it's it's reduce everything but don't add anything new in because that could ultimately cause some uh, stresses and strains so I think the message really is to pull back on training so you don't go into the race tired and fatigued um, so that's really what we've got to think about when we're tapering um, and also that the next thing to be thinking about in that two-week period is about nutrition and, and what we should be paying attention to in this phase of training. Um, so and one of the benefits of pulling back in your training is hopefully you'll have a little bit more time and a little bit more headspace to really focus on pre-race nutrition. So Karen, shall we move on now and talk about nutrition milestones for this phase of training? <laughs> 
Yes. Well, last time we talked about the fine tuning of your nutrition and lifestyle to give yourself sort of the best opportunity be, to be in peak health for your race. And we also focused on practicing the pre, during and post fueling for your training runs. And the reason for that was really to get your digestion used to receiving and digesting digesting food around your training and also to help with energy performance and recovery. So today our focus is more on what your nutrition plan should be in the week leading up to the race plus a reminder of um, your race day nutrition as well. Yeah so so let's start with um, the nutrition leading up to the race. So what as new endurance runners what should we be considering Karen? Well, our nutritional objective in the week leading up to the race is to optimize the muscle glycogen stores. And then on on the day of the race, we're aiming to optimize liver glycogen stores. Um, Because remember, stored glycogen is stored glucose, it's stored energy. So that's really the, the, the key objective at this point. Yeah, I think it's really good to differentiate that, you know, to think yeah, we're focusing on muscles during the week and then on the day of the race, we're focusing on, on liver glycogen. So what can um, a runner do to optimise glycogen stores in the, the days leading up to the race, Karen? Well, interestingly, in years gone by, the advice was to carb load before a race um, or the most technical term being um, carbohydrate supercompensation. Now, the approach was to eat a high protein, high fat diet with very little carbohydrates for several days leading up to a race. This being at the same time an athlete would be tapering their training. And this would then be followed by approximately three days of high carbohydrate intake just before the race. So it's that super compensation of carbohydrates as you get close to the the race. Now, training would include one bite of intense exercise completed at the beginning of the tapering week, then maybe one other approximately three to four days before the race. race. Now, this protocol... um, showed higher rates of muscle glycogen resynthesis in preparation for race day. Now, this was a protocol that um, Ron Hill, if anyone can remember him, I certainly wear his his running gear, um, followed successfully um, during his running career. So it really worked for him. So um, that was... Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people will have heard of carb loading, even if they don't know what it means. Mm. And, and we did talk about that approach um, way back in episode 10. And we talked about some of the downsides to that approach. And that episode was called Race Day Success. So some of the potential disadvantages of using that uh, supercompensation method is that There is a risk of hyperglycemia during the low carbohydrate intake days. And also, you know, that people might uh, experience gut related issues um, if they're eating a high protein, high fat diet, especially if they're not used to it. Um, And potentially there could be poor recovery uh, from the tapering exercises during that low carbohydrate phase. Um, And, you know, when, when that happens, there's a potential risk of you know, injury, which obviously we're trying to avoid at this time of training. And also just the change in, you know, the sudden change in your food plan could uh, lead to mind mood issues, which is often related to um, having um, 
and you know hyperglycemia uh, and also low energy and lethargy so you know there are quite a lot of potential disadvantages so Karen I know that the, there is an updated uh, method of this approach um, to help overcome these disadvantages could you um, explain what that is? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So the idea is that the athlete would plan to eat three days at 50% carbohydrate, followed by three days at 70% of carbohydrates. Um, And in the modified version, the athlete would continue to run daily, but again, reducing time and distance each day. Now, this Um, gives similar performance outcomes. However, it is less detrimental um, and and has less side effects than the classic supercompensation protocol. So those side effects that you mentioned, Aileen, seem to be diminished by following this sort of tempered approach to tapering. And in practical terms, for a half marathon runner, this would equate to three days as roughly a third of a plate of carbohydrates at each meal, followed by three days of half a plate of carbs at each meal. We would suggest always to maintain your protein intake. So that's your quarter plate of protein because you'll need that protein to support um, muscle recovery recovery rather and remember to continue eating your rainbow vegetables to maintain that nutrient density of your meal plan so that would be the way that you would introduce this modified version yeah and i think the the examples of this portion size is more a bit more meaningful than talking about 50 percent and 70 percent isn't it it gives people an idea of of what to look on their how they want their plates to look Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think the other thing just to remind everybody in this phase is that focusing on good quality nutrition is key um, because even when we're introducing carbohydrate, it's really important to focus on whole food sources of carbohydrates. So things like brown rice, brown pasta, whole grain bread, starchy vegetables and fruit are all really good quality uh, carbohydrate sources. So don't be... Um, lured into eating high sugar uh, refined carbohydrate foods just because you're increasing your carbohydrate remember you've got to have nutrient dense foods yeah i think that's always a great reminder isn't it that that nutrient density is going to really support you throughout the the race okay so let's move on to thinking about nutrition the day before race day and on race day what would be your tips for the day before the race aileen um, well, I think it's it's really practical things, Karen. So it's it's really thinking about planning ahead uh, for the day before race day. So um, where are you going to be? Uh, will you be at home like me? Or will you be traveling to the race, potentially staying overnight somewhere, uh, maybe with friends or family or in a hotel? You might be self-catering. Um, and I think the important thing really to think about is don't leave anything to chance. So remember to plan what you what you need to eat, prepare it, shop for it, arrange it, request it, you know, whatever it is you require, uh, make sure it's available. Um, So if you're at home, then you're easily in charge of what and when you leave, which makes life a lot easier. Um, If you're traveling, you know, say you're on a train journey or you're driving up to the northeast, remember to take um, a packed lunch or, or snacks with you for your journey. Um, If you're staying with friends and family, then maybe a week before, 
give them a call, have a conversation and just explain what what you want, what you require to eat and if necessary, offer to bring the ingredients with you. Now, everybody's always wanting to help. You know, they want you to do well. So I don't think you should feel that you're putting people out. Uh, Just sort of, um, you know, just say, is there any chance I could have this? And, And if it's not available, make arrangements to bring your own. And if you are staying in a hotel or a bed and breakfast, um, you might want to check out the menu that they have and also where are you going to eat the night before, you know, look at the local restaurants and make a booking for the time that you you want. Now, the, the city gets really busy, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, there's not a, a spare room in the place. So the restaurants get busy too. Um, so make your booking ahead of time so that you're not um, disappointed. Uh, and also, um, you know, if you are somebody that's self-catering, there's a lot of people come up and, and stay on campsites, um, as well as maybe renting Airbnb places. Do your shopping list, plan how you're going to do the shopping, check out where the local supermarket is, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the practical things. Um, and then just really follow your usual nutritional and hydration foundations. So, Eat at your normal times. Don't eat. leave more than five hours in between meals and snacks because, remember, you're trying to keep your energy levels high the day before. Uh, focus on plate balance uh, that we, we've talked about um, a lot. Um, so we've just mentioned about increasing carbohydrates. So half a plate of carbohydrates plus your usual quarter of a plate of protein and quarter of a plate of vegetables at each meal. And I think this is a really important one. Remember to stay hydrated all day and the evening before the race. And that's going to make sure that you start the race in a good hydration status, uh, which will be really important. And I think, you know, particularly when you're traveling, it's easy to forget about hydration. So that would be a really important thing to do. And also choose easy to digest foods. So, um, you know, choose foods that you know um, that you tolerate well and that you find easy to digest. And, you know, just a bit like the training, don't eat anything that you're not accustomed to. So, you know, don't do anything that's out of the ordinary for you. Um, so those would be my tips for the day before, Karen. Well, I would say there are some really great practical tips there, Aileen, for everybody to pick and choose what is is relevant and important for them. But I'm just thinking, Aileen, what, what's your usual pre-race meal when you do the Great North Run? Um, oh, well, it's a bit the same every year, to be honest. I sometimes think I should branch out a little bit. But the reason I do it the same every year is because I usually am catering for a few friends who are running. And um, so I, I tend to um, make something that I think will suit everyone. So I have a variety of, of different things that people can mix and match, if you like, with their plate balance. So I usually make some plain chicken breasts some plain salmon steaks baked sweet potato, some rice. Sometimes I'll do pasta depending on who's coming. Um, And I usually do a big tray of roasted vegetables and a big pot of tomato sauce. And then whoever's sitting with me around the table that day can just uh, pick what what they'd like. And usually that works for most people. Um, Don't usually have any vegetarians. So I guess if I was having vegetarian runners, I would come up with something as as another uh, main course. Uh, suggestion um and i just like to keep things plain because then i know it's unlikely to affect anybody's digestion which i think is 
always the worry, you know, the day before you don't want somebody to feel unwell because they've eaten something that they're not used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what we have. But the photographs of the food are the same every year. Yeah, <laughs> change. Some great ideas there, though, Aileen, and, and something for everybody. Like you say, you know that there are no vegetarians or vegans coming to stay, but you still got a selection of different types of food that would cater for different palates, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's um, that's some ideas about food. So could we now focus, Karen, on the objective of optimising liver glycogen on the day of the race? What does everybody need to be thinking about there? Yes, and I think here again, it's a good idea to be thinking ahead so you really have your on-the-day nutrition plan fully ready. And um, it's a good idea to work out what time you'll be crossing the start line and then work backwards from that to plan what and when to eat to ensure that you really are correctly fueled as you approach the start line. So we'd really suggest planning your pre-race nutrition, meal, snack, whatever it may be in advance, and also being super organized, you know, get as much done and ready to eat or pack the day before, baby. Um, also think about um, what could go wrong on the day. So for example, travel timings, um, just so that you aren't thrown by any unexpected things on the day, make sure you've got enough food just in case you're delayed for whatever reason because you really don't want to go to the start line feeling hungry because that's happened to me in the past and um, and that's when I was incredibly ill after after the race so um so not a good idea no that no that sounds not not a good idea and sounds (laughs) you want to prevent anything that makes you feel unwell yes Um, so one of the things that I do is I when I'm doing my planning of what I'm going to eat and when I'm going to eat, because when you eat, I think is quite important too. Um, so what I do is um, I sort of work back from the time that I'm, I'm estimated to cross the, the beginning of the, the race. Uh, and then I work backwards and work out what I should be eating when. So um, what you'll find um, if, if, you've, if you're in the race, you'll get a race number in the post, usually a couple of weeks beforehand, and it'll tell you what zone you're in. And on, on the race number, on the back of it, it'll also tell you what time you have to be in the zone and what your estimated start time is. So, you know, it might be 10.30, it might be 11 o'clock, it might even be might even be later. Um, so what I do is, you know, from that time, I then add in th- different things that are going to happen during the morning. So then, then eventually work back to when I should be having my breakfast and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm just going to give everybody a bit of an example. I hope uh, when I give the example, it it just helps people think, yeah, I could do something similar. So in my example, I'm just going to say that, say you're a runner and your start time is 10.40, then you can then work backwards and think, well, what time do I need to be in my zone? What time do I have to uh, be there to do the warm-up? Everybody usually likes to do the warm-up because that's quite a nice uh, preparation and they, they have um, a guy doing the music and telling you you know what, what to stretch and it's quite a good fun thing to do uh, you also have to add in time to be um, you know when do you need to get to the starter zone how much time do you need to go to drop your bag off 
go to the loo, that kind of thing. And then you've also got to add in your time to travel to the starter zone. And that's going to be different for everybody. You know, some people might be staying outside of Newcastle um, that, you know, they might have a longer journey in. For somebody like me, it's a 15 minute walk. So that makes it a lot easier. And then, you know, the, the next thing is like, okay, working back from that, when do I have my breakfast? So for the person who's got a start time of 10.40, if they work back, uh, they've got to, um, say, be in the, the warm-up zone at 10.15. So they're going to add probably 45 minutes before they get into the warm-up zone to do the bag drop, go to the toilet, find where they're going. They might need to add another hour beyond that to actually travel to the startup area. Um, and then before that, they have to have the breakfast. So in my example, somebody that's starting the race at 10.40 is likely to be having their breakfast about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, which is quite a long time before you start. So it's like about three hours. So you might need to, uh, well, two things, first of all, make sure you're eating enough at that breakfast meal to fuel you to the lead up. Um, but you might also want to add in an additional snack uh, during that that period of time um, and possibly if you've tried out your um, you know training at a different time of day you might have also tried out a pre-run meal that works well for you um, and so you'll know that that's going to keep you fueled during that long run that you're going to do um, so does that make sense Karen I feel as though rambling a little bit here <laughs> No, it makes absolute sense, Alien, because you sort of worked from the start time, you've worked back. And I think it's really helped people and even me sort of helped you understand that actually, yes, there are all these different time zones or timings that different things happen. So actually, from the time you get up to the time that you actually start running can be quite a few hours. So you need to have appropriate food and sufficient food to, to, to keep you fueled until you get to the start line so so no really really interesting yeah and it's so different from just running from your front door isn't it or going mm. to a race any race where you know you can use this concept with any any race that you, you're traveling to wow. um so what's your favorite pre-race meal Lily? um i i usually would have um overnight oats but i'll also have some scrambled eggs as well because if i just had the overnight oats I'd have probably burned those up by the time I started. So I like to have some scrambled eggs too, and it sustains me uh, throughout the morning. And then what I'll usually do is take a banana as my pre-race quick-release carbohydrate snack, um, and I'll eat that when I get into the zone area, sort of just before the warm-up. And a banana is great for me because it digests, re it digests quickly and it doesn't lie in my tummy, so... That, that works for me. Um, I, um, I would imagine, I mean, you see so many bananas, don't you, at the beginning of the race? I can't imagine how many are used. <laughs> if there's 50,000 runners, it's a lot of bananas, isn't it? It just um, is, yes. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing to bear in mind is, you know, the excitement, the nervous energy, the travelling to the start line uses up energy. Um, so I feel that having a carbohydrate-rich breakfast, as a pre-run breakfast, and a pre-run snack helps optimize that liver glycogen that you were talking about a little while ago, Karen. Um, you know, and even just talking about all of this is making me feel a little bit, I've got butterflies in my tummy because I'm imagining being there. Yeah. Uh, so, it makes yeah. 
real, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. So do you have any other suggestions about what to do on the morning of the race, Karen, from a nutrition point of view? Yeah, just a couple of things, Aileen, that I think would be important to remember is hydration. You know, drink a big glass of water um, as soon as you wake up and then just kind of keep sipping the water as you travel and as you get to the start line. And um, so, so, again, thinking about how much food you take with you, make sure that you're taking enough water or whatever type of hydration you're using to the race as well. Um, remember to have your snacks ready for for your fueling during the race, wherever you're carrying that, make sure that they're all in place and ready. And my other big piece of advice would be to start eating early in the race. And I think lots of people tend to leave it um, until they're feeling hungry um, or they have a lack of energy. And, and that is just too late because you'll never manage to, to recover the glycogen stores um, quickly enough. So, um um, that, that would be a big piece of advice is to start eating uh, early on. And we suggest within 45 minutes to an hour of starting the race, just sort of think about um, think, uh, eating something from your from your stores. Um, so I think, Aileen, we have covered pre-race nutrition. Um, so should we have maybe a quick advert break before we move on? I'll have yes. that. Yes, let's do that. So, um, as always, this is a moment in the episode where Karen and I take a moment to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. And over, you know, the last number of episodes, you've probably heard us mention some products which might be supportive to you, especially in this phase when rest and recovery is important. So, we thought today we'd just remind you about the shop page. It's on our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. And it's where we've gathered together um, all of our favorite brands and products in one place just to make it easy for you to make an informed choice and, and to make a selection quickly if you need anything. Um, so there's so many products available on the Internet and in shops, and they all claim to have um, sporting and well-being and running performance advantages um, and sometimes it can be really difficult to know which ones to choose whether it be food supplements running gear uh, or even um, you know nutrition for health screening tests so there's there's lots of different things that can help you and that's that's um, an, another reason for us uh, sharing our recommendations is to help you make an informed choice um, now, many of our favorite suppliers have made special offers for you to try out their products and services. And in some instances, we, we may earn a small commission or be compensated in some way. And, and that funding helps us um, keep the podcast alive and well and um, researching lots of information for you for the future. But everything that we um, talk about on the uh, website, they're all brands that we use ourselves and we use with clients. So we we feel very confident in recommending them to you. They're natu natural, they're, they're ethical brands, they've got good reputations, and that's why we're listing them. So if you do need any last minute things uh, for the race, you've got time um, to still get them. Uh, so all you need to do is visit the website, runnershealthhub.com, click on the shop page, and you can view some of the brands we recommend. We update this regularly. Um, so, you know, visit the web page as, as often as you like, as often as um, we've managed to get something new that uh, we think would be helpful. So we hope you like our choices and um, 
we certainly know that we benefit from them and many of our clients have seen benefits from using them too. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. Okay, so now let's think about your rest and recovery plans. Now, in previous episodes in this series, we've talked about rest days, active recovery, the importance of good quality sleep and using magnesium baths and magnesium oil. Now, we're hoping that all all of this is second nature to you now. However, if you haven't been able to get these practices in place, it would really be beneficial to embrace them really, sort of embrace some restorative relaxation and rest in this final phase of your training plan, especially in that last week leading up to the race. So um, so do think about them, maybe go back and listen to the other episodes to pick up what we discussed around the, um, the rest and recovery. Yeah, and I, I thought today, Karen, it would be good if we could have a short chat about stress because stress can be an energy drain and that might be an energy drain in the lead up to the race. Um, and I, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, there is a lot of nervous excitement at least up to any big event and, and also quite a lot of extra organisational tasks which can add to our stress load. Uh, and for every runner, having high energy levels uh, before a race is, is going to be vital. So any type of stress, even the happy, excited stress, can deplete energy stores and nutrient status. And the last thing that anybody needs is feelings of fatigue or potentially having your immune system suppressed because that's what stress does. And, and that can lead us open to low-level infections. So, Karen, I wondered if you had any suggestions on how to keep stress levels managed um, in the week leading up to the race. Yes, well, we've talked a lot over the past few episodes about planning and preparation in all areas, sort of running training, rest periods, nutrition, organising your travel plans, your running kit, basically really being organised and not leaving things to the last minute will always help minimise feelings of stress. You know, it's so easy to leave things to the last minute and then you can't find them or are out of stock in the shops or whatever, and that can add to the add to the stress. So aim to make the week leading up to your race really supportive of your running goals, sort of regular meals, minimal alcohol, optimal nutrition and hydration, thinking about plenty of time for relaxing and sleep and keep your social calendar light on commitments and and maybe schedule in some easy light activity for active recovery and this will all support um, your race and minimising stress. And whilst you've got the time away from your heavy training, it could be an ideal time to revisit your race plan. You know, we discussed that last time and make a list of what you'll need to take in your bag to the race. So, Aileen, last time we said we'd cover that in this episode. So thinking about what's actually going to be in the bag, typically what do you take to the start line with you? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I try not to take too much because I don't want it to be too heavy. Um, but I, I always get my bag ready the day before the race. It's like one of those little rituals, isn't it? And I do it in advance of my guests arriving so that I don't get distracted for when they come. Um, and because I live in Newcastle, 
Um, I've got to factor in the amount of time. Well, everybody has to factor in the amount of time it takes to get home. But for me personally, it usually takes three to four hours to get home um, just because of the volume of people that are traveling. Um, so I, I take a few things that I need Um because once I've finished and I've met up with my friends, usually it can take an hour to walk to the ferry terminal and then maybe another hour in the queue. It, the ferry actually only takes 10 minutes, uh, but it's a long time to actually get on it. Um, it is the quickest route home for us. Um, and then when we get to the other side, um, it can take another 30 minutes in, in the car uh, to get home. So, you know, you've got to um, factor in. So it's a, it can be a really long day. You know, you, you're leaving home at half eight in the morning and maybe not getting home till four in the afternoon and have done a half marathon in the middle. Um, it sounds stressful. So speaking about stress, Eileen, that sounds quite stressful. Well, it's, just... No, it's not. I think once you know, if you if you just, you just have to accept that's the way it is. You know, it's part of the taking part in the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It would be stressful if you didn't know what it was going to be like um so i think it's it's good to know that you're going to be waiting (laughs) whatever way you go whatever way you travel home it's going to take a long time um but so you do need everything that you might need so for me i always have a warm top i always have a waterproof jacket there was one year it was really really wet and i was so grateful i had my waterproof jacket while i was standing in the queue for an hour um I usually take some dry socks just in case. I don't usually bother with extra trainers. I just think, well, if I can change into dry socks, that feels better. I might take some wet wipes. Um, I usually take a flask um, because I quite like ginger tea because often I feel nauseous after a long run and just sipping on some tea for a few minutes before I set off home can be nice. And I usually add some honey to it some some quick release carbohydrates um i might take an extra bottle of water too although there is i mean they're very very generous with the water at the great north run you will get water everywhere Uh, but i usually put a bottle in that's got some electrolytes so again i can have that at the end of the race and then i'll take my post-run snack so that that's handy um i'll have some cash and my travel ticket so that's another tip um buy your travel ticket you can buy a wristband that will get you onto any of the public transport um you know whether it's the metro the buses the ferry and then you if you buy that the, the day before whenever you arrive in newcastle you can use that and you can give that to you, you your supporters can also get them so it just makes it easy um And then at the top of my bag, I'll have everything that I need for the beginning of the race. So I'll have my pre-race snack, my during run food and water. So as soon as I get to the baggage bus, I can just unzip the top, take out what I need. I'm not rummaging around and then I can just put my bag on the bus. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Nice, dearly. Pardon? Very organised. It helps me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good. That's important again because it it helps remove some of the stress um, and and stress. You know that nervous excitement and everything it helps diminish all of that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, is there anything you think I've missed there, Karen? 
Well, additional things that I might carry, um, Aileen, would include maybe some muscle rub. Um, I don't tend to use it beforehand, but maybe at the end of a half marathon, I would want to just add on um, add some muscle rub, especially if I'm not going home immediately. Therefore, I can't have my bath. I might just take some rub. And um, the electrolyte drink, you, you did speak about that, Aileen. I quite often take um, the one that we, our homemade one, because I find that it's really soothing to my digestive system. You were saying about the ginger for years, and I just find that that um, that the lemon and the lime is is just uh, really soothing for my digestive system it also gives me a bit of a zing as well um because i'm so tired at the end also i would take some um deodorant and a bit of perfume just to kind of cover things up until i can have a shower and then um being very vain i know but i might also take a lipstick and um, mascara so that um I can kind of try and look half decent after the race if we do decide to go somewhere for a coffee or a meal or something. So, um, which I have to say, you know, I, I never have any coffee before or during an event, so or caffeine during an event. So, I'm ready for my coffee afterwards. So we do generally go for for something to drink afterwards. So I do have my my mascara, my lipstick with me. So, oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> well, some of my friends, you know, they, uh, you know, we say bye bye at the baggage bus and then I'll never see them again because they'll do their race. And then as soon as they finish, they're heading uh, to the, the station and then they're leaving Newcastle as fast as they can. So you often see people with like the little overnight bags and, um, you know, the, and then they just can zip off. And one of our friends, Bev, who, you know, is a, a mutual friend of both of us, she, um, she has a again she's done it for so many years she just has her routine and she'll have wet mics she's got a change of clothes she'll get to go on the metro to the central station she'll have a quick change and then she can get on the train and she's fresh to travel back to London so yeah it's uh it's good to have everything you need definitely Absolutely. And everybody's got the routine, haven't they? The, the, like the ritual when they're doing a, a certain race over and over again. Yeah, they do. My my brother, his ritual is, um, it's not very nutritious, I have to say. His ritual is, he always has some kind of, I think it's called a steak bake at Greg's, which would be the last thing I would want. Uh, but he said one year he got there and they said, well, we haven't got any. And he was like, what do you mean? This is my post-grace ritual. I've got to have one. And uh, they said, well, we do have them. They're in the oven, but you, you'll have to wait. So he had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank Excellent. So, so that's um, yeah, some help to minimise the stress. Really, get yourself organised, have everything you need, and um, let's sort of move on now. And uh, we're going to have a chat about any any last minute injury healing and recovery tips. Mm. Um, so, you know, as I said at the beginning of the episode, in this last three weeks leading up to the race my big message is what I really want to say is keep safe and prevent any last minute injuries um, if you keep to your training planning you do your pre and post run stretches maybe treat yourself to a sports massage plan some restorative exercise like pilates and yoga or swimming if that's something that you've already done um, 
then that would all be very, very supportive and, and just a big no-no to any dangerous pursuits in the last two or three weeks uh, so that you don't have any accidents. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we've all had stories of runners who have non-running accidents which have affected their running or race plans. So really be risk aware. Don't take any chances in those last few weeks uh, leading up to a race. Because I know with me, even going out for a walk the couple of days before a marathon, I'm looking at any upturn, you know, sort of tree trunks that are, are poking out. At curbs on a pavement it just I can't go too close in case of flip over I'm so aware of the possible risks everywhere um of putting me out of the, of the race so yeah just being observant in everything that you do really yeah well I, I remember one year um of the great north run well, my brother's going to get another mention here he was staying at my house and on the morning of the the run he slipped on the stairs coming downstairs and he really narrowly missed injuring himself and we were all like oh my goodness what have you done um but he was okay and he was able to to race it wasn't wasn't a problem but it just sort of this it can so easily be done can't it so easily things can happen that can put you out of the race absolutely you just want to wrap yourself up in cotton wool for a few days before the event don't you but anyway we talked um about this in earlier episodes but really just to remind everybody if you do pick up a niggly injury prior to the the race don't ignore it. Take professional advice. Um, there may still be time to to really take some remedial action before the the race, just to sort of prevent anything deteriorating into um, an injury that's going to stop you running or pull you up during the run. So that's just my last bit of advice there. So next up, let's have a look at some mindset mojo advice. Now today. Um, we are recapping on your race plan and getting your mind into the zone ready to race. So, Aileen, what can you tell us about that? Well, I what I was thinking is that sometimes when we get close to the race, uh, we forget that we've done all the training and race preparations and we, we play it down in our mind and we go into this, I haven't done enough um, and you know, I think we've got to remember that nobody has the perfect training experience. And again, you know, this is something, you know, I've said in previous years and people have said to me, you say that every year. And then you think, yeah, you're right. Actually, I've, I always say I've not done enough. Um, but remember, you have done enough. You've you've done your best, whatever the circumstances. And um, whatever you've done on the 11th of September, we're all going to take part in this amazing half marathon with lots of wonderful people running with us and lots of wonderful people cheering us on. So if there's any part of you that's feeling imposter syndrome thoughts, just know that that's normal and it's not going to stop us. We're going to be there. Absolutely. No imposters here. We're not going to let that get in the way. So what I thought we could maybe do is a little fun exercise, really just to start getting you into a positive mindset zone, ready for that race. So first, what I'd like you to do is think back to your big why and how amazing you're going to feel after the race, maybe as you cross the line or as you celebrate with your friends and family afterwards, or when you're telling your Great North Run stories afterwards to really keen and interested family and friends. Second, 
we've talked a bit about using positive mantras as you run and hopefully you found some which really are going to uh, resonate with you and you've been using in your training. Now, another idea is to choose one word, which is your overarching theme to your race. So your word, it could be achieve or winner or strong. So choosing one word that resonates with you, something that inspires you and you can draw on in the tough moments in the race. If you have any, you might go through the race without any tough moments, but I think most people um, have, have tough moments at some point in the race. And then third, give a name to the negative voice in your head. You know, the one that says you're tired, it hurts. I can't. Um, I actually read this in an article by um, Claire Bartholik of Planted Runner. Now, she named the voice in her head Nancy. And she says, Nancy is nice and kind and points out when she's feeling tired. But Claire says, I know Nancy is coming along for the ride, but she doesn't get to drive the bus. She's sweet but she's overprotective. She's kind, but honestly, she's getting in the way. So I think that's a really good analysis. And Claire says, creating an identity for my negative voice helps me separate it from myself and my true goals and dreams, even though, of course, it is a part of of myself. So these are Nancy's words, but she sort of tries to remove Nancy from um from her self. So if I make Nancy just another obstacle in the journey, Claire says, rather than letting her get a say in the decision making, it's easier to say, oh shut up Nancy and keep on running. So that might be a really good idea, you know, um and I just have to say that um that's just and so, so what Claire says is, oh, that's just negative Nancy trying to sabotage. Shut up, Nancy. So I really like that. There's a really great idea and simple and also fun as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's, I love that. Shut up, Nancy. <laughs> I, can just, I can imagine myself saying that myself as I'm running along. Uh, so yeah. I'm definitely going to give my negative uh, voice a name. Um, yeah. I think I will as well. Yeah, well, actually, I tell you a funny story. I was chatting to somebody the other day about this, and um, and she said they have a name for their sat nav, their car sat nav, and she's called Bitching Betty. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I think uh, we definitely have to uh, come up with a name we're going to. Uh, banish from our heads or at least just acknowledge they're there but just say it's okay I've got this yes and they're not going to get in the way yeah. yeah so so that I think that's great Karen really thank you for um coming up with these things uh, these little tips here so what we're saying is we all need to reflect on our big why choose one word for our race plan and give a name and a personality to the negative voice in our head. Um, so, yeah, we'll all do that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Karen, would could we just take a minute to recap on the key parts of creating a, ra- a race plan, just really as a reminder of what we talked about last time? 
Yeah, sure, Aileen. So what I would say is visualize your ideal race ahead of time, starting from your pre-race meal the night before through to breakfast, your travel arrangements to the start line, your pre-race fueling, and then to the race itself. Check the weather conditions and, you know, because that's going to help decide whether um, that's going to change anything that you do, anything that you take. So always check uh, what the temperatures are going to be like. Chunk your race into sections. Maybe it could be three miles, six miles, nine miles, 12 miles, and then that last mile. And then sort of thinking about up to three miles, settling in, keeping calm. Don't run too fast. Conserve your energy. Try and aim for a negative split. And then up to six miles, you'll probably by this time have settled in and might be running a little bit faster. Remember how well you've prepared. You um, you have um, prepared really well. Have faith in your training. And remember to fuel and hydrate. And remember also to run your own race. Don't try and run someone else's race. So um, then up to up to nine miles. You might be beginning to tire a little physically. So just try and be present. Again, like we've just said, try and tune into your big why. Recite any mantras um, that you think will help you. Break this phase into smaller milestones if that's going to be helpful. So, for example, time or distance. And maybe focus on one runner ahead of you. And then if you pass them, focus on another. So you're, you're, you're looking ahead, but you're not looking too far ahead. And then up to 12 miles, I think this is the time when you might have to dig in. It might really help to focus on posture here, maybe your form, your technique. Um, but try at all points to keep your mind and body relaxed and calm. Think confident thoughts, get rid of um, nagging Nancy or whatever she's called. And think, uh, keep keep the, the confident thoughts and repeat confident mantras every time you start to feel tired or feel the pace slip just repeat to yourself that you need to refocus and concentrate and get back on pace so think about that strong um the the, the strong and um, other potential one words that's going to support you and then in that final mile so the last mile can often feel like the longest. So really here, draw on your favourite techniques to help you finish. For example, your mantras, counting maybe, looking around you, smiling, because remember, smiling is a natural painkiller. And um, and again, maybe continuing to focus on a runner in front of you, whatever it takes at this point um, to, to, to get over the finish line, because you are almost there. And uh, just try and aim to keep a good pace until the end. Visualize yourself crossing, crossing that finish line and that hopefully will kind of keep you going um, until you do actually cross it. And, and maybe thinking about a treat that you're going to have 
afterwards, after the event, because that can also help you in those last few moments. For me, it's always my coffee. I think I've, I've only got a mile to go and then I'll be able to enjoy that really lovely coffee that I'm looking forward to. So um, so those would be my ideas of how to break up the different mile stages to support you and keep you confident, keep you positive throughout the half marathon. So um, so on that note, Aileen, shall we wrap up with some GNR fun and factoids? What have you got for us today? I love this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, this is what it's all about, really. And I, um, thanks for sharing the race plan again, because I think it will really help everybody if we all come up with our race plan and then can execute it on the day. Um, so today with the, um, you know, just to round up, I thought we'd talk about what to expect in the finishers village um at the end of the race um so if, if if you've not done the great north run before just so that you know what to expect so it's a huge tented village and it's on a grassy area at the seafront in south shields and when you get there you'll see that all of the big charities have facilities there um, they're all really welcome in and they'll offer refreshments first aid if you need it and sometimes there's even uh, volunteer um, sports therapists doing massages which can be very welcome if you're if you're in in some pain um and, and also it can also help if you've got you know if you've got a long journey home just getting somebody to help you have a little bit of a rub down before you get in the car could be really helpful too uh, also in that area there's loads of food and drink facilities so there's just about everything that you could possibly need um you know from drinks to different types of food and there's also a meeting area which is really important so um, the meeting area has got different areas um, labeled a to z so the idea is you know you go to the you know whatever letter of the alphabet is your name and you can arrange to meet family and friends there after the race um so that's good again if you're an out of towner and you don't know where to meet somebody that could be a good place to pre-arrange uh, where to meet them so what i tend to do is as soon as i've collected my finishers bag of metal i just keep walking um to the baggage bus area it's quite a it is quite a bit of a walk um but it gives me, it, it's a cool down, it helps. And I just put one foot in front of the other until I get to the bus and I collect my bag, meet up with friends that I'm going to the ferry terminal with and they've probably been in the race too. And um, and usually when I get there, um, I'll have my snack and drink to sustain me as I sort of go off on my journey home. And um, so that might be something just to remember. So remember to have that, snack that quick release carbohydrate snack when you collect your bag or have it when you meet your friend or, or relative whoever's uh, there supporting you and maybe it's something that they're going to bring for you mm. um, so yeah that that's um you know it's it's a bit of a celebration when you get there people are welcoming you you might be too tired to celebrate depends how you feel really <laughs> but, but it's nice to be there that's for sure Absolutely. And it does sound as though it's really organised at the finish line with the A to Z of places where family and friends can meet and things. So that's really great. And um, and then easy for people to find their family and friends, because otherwise it's just chaotic. 
magic, isn't it? Yeah, and and this, you know, often there's so many people that you can't use your phone because the signal's all blocked up. So to have those kind of arrangements in place can be really helpful. Yeah, and 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 staying on that theme of of it being really busy and congested in the area at the end of the race, Aileen, what can you share that would maybe help a first time Great North runner? Um, I've probably touched on some of these things already, but I think you know, plan your travel exits um, so you know how you're going to get home or how you're going to get to your hotel. And I think you know, in a place like South Shields, you know, everybody has got to leave from South Shields. It's not like in the centre of London where everybody goes in different directions. There's only one or two routes out of the area. So that's why it gets so busy. Um, So as I said earlier, if you're using public transport, whether it's the bus, the metro train or the ferry, just be prepared to have long queues. And again, you know, the, the metro queue and the ferry queue, there's people there to help you. You know, there'll be people set up at the side selling cups of tea and refreshments. Um, there's uh, a DJ at the metro station playing music and keeping everybody going, if you know what I mean, because you could be there for a while. Um, and, um, you know, so just be prepared for the queues. Make sure you've got your travel pass the day or the week before the race. And if you are driving, just expect long queues on all of the roads leaving South Shields and also the main roads out of the northeast, north and south. Um, I know years before I ever ran, I remember driving south on a Sunday of the Great North Run and not really recognising that there was going to be a lot of traffic Mm. and it was a very slow road. So um, just be prepared for that. And, um, you know, you might be tired, but there's plenty of people around to have little chats with and, um, you know, chatting to fellow runners about what happened to them will keep you amused and will pass the time in, in the queues. Yeah, like you say, Aileen, it's just being prepared for it mentally and just sort of accepting that this is the way it is rather than getting all worked up about it and irate about it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I mentioned earlier, Aileen, that following a race I tend to go for a lovely coffee or a meal or or, and that keeps me going that's something special that I do afterwards do you do anything special post-race um well for the great north run I usually meet up with a group group of friends afterwards and and most of them have been either been in the race or they've been the supporting people you know they've either waved at the side of the road or they've come and collected us from the ferry and um usually that's what we do you know some of them have been so fast that they finished hours before and and some of us haven't so you know we we all finish at different times but we tend to meet up at a friend's house afterwards mm-hmm. and um, usually by the time you know I get there I'm, I'm ready for my post-run snack you know so I've eaten something on en route but then I'm ready for something else so it's often just something simple like toast and cheese and a nice cup of tea. And then, you know, once everybody's recovered a bit, we'll have something like cake or a glass or two of, of beers. Um, often everybody, will have, there'll be a few homemade cakes that have been brought around, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And so that'll go on for a couple of hours. And then I'll head home for a, a soak in the bath and a simple, very simple supper, you know, something easy like cottage pie or jacket potato and um, then I'm clearing up whatever we've left as we've run out of the house in the morning you know the, the breakfast things have been left and uh yes sort of getting back on with with life again 
Yeah, oh, it all sounds really lovely and social and celebra- celebratory. It's, it sounds like it's such a great atmosphere, really, from the moment that your friends and family arrive the night before the event until you're left on your own tidying up the mess afterwards. It all sounds like a, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, it's very different from any other half marathons, I think, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's like a whole. It's a weekend of activities, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've given lots of of, or you've given lots of tips and advice regarding the, the what happens at the end of the race. But what about a factoid, Aileen? I'm waiting for a factoid. Can you have you got one for us? Uh, yes. Well, uh, you asked a question a, a few episodes ago, Karen, about um you know different uh, celebrations that have happened over the year and i think i mentioned that um there was a, a, a one year in fact it was 2014 where the millionth finisher crossed mm. the great north run finish line and um there was a lot of excitement around it because nobody knew who that finisher was going to be and the lady who uh, was the millionth finisher was a lady from the northeast and she was called Tracy Cramond and um that was the reason it was so exciting was it was the first running event in the world to reach a landmark one millionth finisher so it was you know quite an important uh, thing to happen and Tracy um, she worked in the NHS and she was running to raise money for a local hospice in memory of her mum and uh, I was reading uh, about her and apparently she even thought about deferring her race um, just weeks before, she was thinking, I'm not going to do it. I'll wait till next year. Um, so it's just as well she didn't because, you know, she became the millionth finisher. She became an overnight celebrity. And she actually won a trip to New Zealand to take part in a race called the Round the Bays race in Auckland and New Zealand. And that was the race that inspired Brendan Foster to create a mass participation run in his native northeast of England so that was a really nice wow circle wasn't it yeah that's a wonderful prize and a wonderful story actually isn't it and the fact that she was going to defer her place and didn't you know that chance it's like sliding doors isn't it if she if she didn't so lovely story so thank you for that Aileen so I think really that's rounds up today's episode but just before we go it's been a long episode but really interesting and fun um but before we go could you maybe just give us your key takeaways yeah it has I think this could end up actually being our longest episode (laughs) ever um so apologies but it's all part of me training people for endurance Uh, you might have had to listen to it over a a couple of sessions um so I have got a lot of key takeaways so I'll just run through them as as fast as I can Um, so the first one is remember to plan tapering training to start 14 days before the race and the aim of tapering is to keep your legs loose and fresh as well as keeping your energy levels high and your mind calm And then in the week leading up to the race, nutritionally, our aim is to optimize muscle glycogen stores by increasing carbohydrate intake using a modified carbohydrate supercompensation approach, which we described earlier on. And then on the day of the race, our aim is to optimize liver glycogen stores. So remember to calculate what you should eat by working backwards from your race start time, your anticipated race start time. Eat a carbohydrate-rich meal pre-race approximately two to three hours before the race. Remember to hydrate optimally. 
eat a quick release carbohydrate snack 30 to 60 minutes before the race. And then remember to fuel uh, with quick release carbohydrate foods during the race. So at the rate of between 30 to 60 grams an hour. And remember also to keep hydrated as you run. Um, When you get to the end of the race, um, don't forget your quick release carbohydrate snack within 30 minutes of ending the race. And then plan to have a post-run snack or meal approximately two hours after the race with a carbohydrate and protein snack. We've talked about this in previous episodes. So at a ratio of uh, four parts carbohydrate to one part protein. Remember that all of the activities leading up to the race, um, make sure that they're supportive. So plan your week to make sure that it's supporting to race goals. So regular meals, minimal alcohol, optimal nutrition and hydration, lots of relaxation and sleep, a social calendar that is light. And also remember to have some uh, easy light activity for active recovery. Keep safe, prevent any last minute injuries. Remember your big why, choose your one word, give your negative voice um, a name and a personality, visualize your race plan at the various mile markers along the way. And then when you get to the end, enjoy the celebrations and uh, forevermore, you know that you did it. And my one of my friends always says, as I'm leaving uh, to go home, he always says to me, what do I say every year, Aileen? And I'll say training starts tomorrow. (laughs) He has got me drilled. Uh, So you've got to start thinking about your next training goal. Mm. Yeah, I like that. So so that brings us to the end of the five episodes um, to help everybody get ready for this year's Great North Run. And I just want to really say thank you to everyone who's been listening. And, um, you know, I hope it's helped you prepare for this year's Great North Run. I've really enjoyed it. It's really been motivating to me. And we'd really love to hear from you. Let us know how you've done. We'd love to know your Great North Run stories. And I just wanted to say that although we're at the end of this um, series, we do have a couple of episodes coming up, which can potentially still help you in your your race preparation. Um, So we've got episode 111, which is our listeners nutrition clinic that's scheduled for the 1st of September. So if you do have any last minute questions and challenges, email us and we'll try to answer them on that um, that episode and then episode 112 a week later is all about recovery now that's out on the 8th of September just before the race Um, so we'll we'll tailor that so that we've got some tips in to help with recovery post race Um, so that's that brings us to the end good luck in the race and uh, thank you for joining us and we hope that you'll stay with us Um, for future episodes in your running journeys excellent yes it really just leaves me to say good luck ladies you've got this you know we really hope that you found today's episode really helpful and just sort of those final preparations for race day I'm not doing the race but I feel really excited about the race for you Aileen but also for everybody else who's um, signed up and almost there so I really just want to say thanks Aileen for today I've really enjoyed the episode and remember everyone don't let you be the limiting factor in your running performance.
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your Great North Run race training plan. During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. Karen and I would love to help you even more, and we decided the best way to do that is to make you a very special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's a program designed for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your run training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans, and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the icing on the cake is that part of this program is that you're invited to our weekly coaching circle and we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you'll get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training, so we're hoping that you'll take up our offer. We're offering the program at a very special price of £97. The full price is £297, so that's £200 off the full price. So that works out at less than £1 a day over 16 weeks, and there's a multi-payment offer too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this very special offer. If you'd like to join the program, please book, a, book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and we'd love to meet you in the Zoom room. Thanks very much for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialling wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.